Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber, joined today for a special back to school episode by John Doyle. Logan is out this week attending the International Woodworking Fair in Atlanta, Georgia, along with all the other people in the woodworking universe. Hope you enjoyed today's show. So did you have any butter sculptures at the International Woodworking Fair? That's the question I have. I think if they're a legitimate fair, they yeah. would have a butter right. sculpture. But if they want to be illegitimate, then no. Yeah, I think they're just trading on the fair name. Right. You know, because if you don't have corn dogs and something carved out of butter, then... Shameless. Yeah. It would be like having a mall that doesn't have a Sabaro or a Deb in it. <laughs> Auntie Anne's pretzels, maybe? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you don't have those, you cannot call yourself a mall. Yep. So I was talked about doing the topic on back to school mm -hmm. for today's episode. And the, there are several reasons. Uh, one of them being that... Now that school has started for our kids in particular, I feel like I'm going to be able to get more shop time. Yes, I think the same way. I mean, we we kind of have um, similar families in that uh, all of our kids are in school. Our wives work at uh, schools. So during the summer, everyone is home. Right. And we, we are still working, unfortunately. <laughs> so we work but all they, day and then we come. Yeah, but they act as say? if we're not working. Right. That we're on right. summer break also. Yeah. So it's really hard to get anything done at home. And usually if we're gone all day at work and we come home, they're sick of each other. So then it's like, all right, dad, now what are we going to do? Like entertain us. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Also, what's for so dinner? You get the, yeah, exactly. So you get to this time of year and it's just like, I'm ready for everybody just to go back to school and get back in the routine so I can kind of have yeah. some semblance of routine. So, yeah. So personally, I'm looking forward to this time now of being able to have a little extra, little extra shop time and focused attention on some stuff instead of feeling a little, little disoriented, though there are going to be some school activities that are going to pull away from that, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing is usually this time of year when they're all headed back to school and busy with that is kind of our break between seasons of the woodsmith shop. So it's like, I wouldn't say a quiet time, but quieter, quieter. So it's yeah. Like, we definitely yeah. have a, some time to catch our breath here. Right. So it's like, maybe we need to go on a vacation while they're at school, <laughs> like a, some sort of woodworking fair or conference right. mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's definitely true i would uh i would agree with that the other thing that i wanted to talk about uh with you specifically is uh along the back to school lines is how you would say your education played a role or plays a role in the current work that you do here at Woodsmith? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a good question. I don't know. I would say, um, yeah, my background, uh, well, college degree is in mechanical engineering. So 
I would say that kind of loosely fits with what I do right now. But um, the kind of classes that I took in college were a lot of product design and I uh, did a lot of, you know, 3D modeling. So some of the same stuff that I do here. So got a lot of experience that way. And um, I actually have a minor in forestry. So learned okay. a lot about um, woodworking or not woodworking, but uh, wood products as in like adhesives and um, different types of woods and industrial uses that way. So that kind of fit more in to, I guess, what I'm doing now. But yeah, I always loved um, shop classes and, and woodworking classes in high school and, and doing that that kind of thing. So it was always a big interest of mine. And uh, kind of went into mechanical engineering because I loved math and science and all that stuff. So uh, if this woodworking doesn't work out, I got something to fall back on, I guess. <laughs> you know, if I have to go out and get a real job someday. Right. So, yeah. but yeah, so I guess just, um, I don't know, I, during my school year, like in all my engineering classes, it's just like, I knew I didn't want to sit there at a desk all day doing computer stuff and, and and this job gives me the ability to to sit at a desk sometimes but i'm also in the shop and building stuff and designing stuff and doing all kinds of other stuff so really enjoy that so when you during your education for mechanical engineering because i know nothing about it mm -hmm. did you have the opportunity to actually make things or was it largely drawing and design no we got a um we had labs and stuff so we um depending on the class we'd have different challenges of you know working as a group and we'd have to um you know build projects so we had access to machine shops um metalworking tools woodworking tools um and that kind of thing and it was interesting because a lot of the kids i went to college with had never picked up like even a hand drill or, or anything like that. So that was a new experience for them. So I feel like I had a leg up because, you know, just having interest in woodworking growing up and taking shop classes, I had a lot of experience there. So, um, yeah, so we did get chances to do some hands-on things. And uh, uh, as far as mechanical engineering is concerned, it's pretty um, general as far as engineering. So you got to take lots of different engineering classes and, and choose kind of the classes you want to take in that field. And I kind okay. of picked more stuff in, in the product design realm and hands-on labs rather than, you know, some of the other things. That's just where my interests took me. So, but yeah, it was sure. interesting. We are, we both have uh, kids going into their senior years of high school. So uh, I had my son um, visiting Iowa state university at the end of the summer here. And he wants also to go into engineering and we got to tour um, a lot of the labs and stuff. And it's like, where were all these cool tools 20 <laughs> years ago when I was in, when I was in school? Cause we were, you know, had, you know, the typical, you know, power tools and hand tools right. and stuff. And they have CNCs and lasers and water jets and, and all this stuff. And, a lot of the stuff that Chris is getting involved in now. And it's like, man, I want to go back to school. <laughs> it's like, can I come hang out with you guys? Because they got a lot, of, a lot of neat things. So You just have to Pretty visit exciting. him on campus then. Frequently. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure he'll, he'll enjoy that. 
<laughs> so, but yeah, so. Well, that's kind of cool. How did you get the, how did you decide on forestry then? I mean, cause you don't have to do a minor, but you no, chose to do a minor. No, I was, it was kind of my woodworking bug, I guess, is just, um, you know, took, I think I took one like elective class in forestry and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And, you know, so I was just kept taking classes in forestry. So I don't know. Okay. I think it was cause I, cause it just being an engineering and it's like, I got like three years into it and they, they hadn't let me drive one train yet. It's like, <laughs> when am I going to get to drive a train? train? Right. Never happened. Yeah. So when, when another route. Yeah. I mean, that so, makes sense. I don't know what yeah. else, what else could you have done? Right. Other than like demand your money back or something. Right. But. So it was pretty disappointing, but I'll get over it. Yeah. So. So you, yeah, you have an interesting education too, because <laughs> firefighting, we're yes. kind of like opposite education. Well, I guess it's kind of same. Right. You're, yeah. you know, protecting wood. Yes. So, which yeah, led I, you uh, to. I got in my senior year of college, my mom decided that I needed to do something after college or after high school. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I had toyed around with several places or schools to go to, and I just didn't really know what. So I went to, uh, I don't know, open house, I guess it was at the mm -hmm. community college in town, uh, where I grew up, Fox Valley Technical College. And, you know, all the different major programs were there, you know, had people with, you know, for whatever program that was going on. And I ended up talking to one of the guys at the firefighting or fire protection booths quite a bit about different things and eventually decided that that's what I would try for because if nothing else, whatever I had learned there, I would be able to transfer to another school and, mm -hmm. and move on. So I took the firefighting program. So I have a, an associate degree in fire protection, which is, it was a, that was a really fun program. And I learned a lot because we had to do classes in like building construction and hydraulics and, uh, fire safety, you know, basically like chemistry stuff too, about firefighting chemicals and hazardous materials and, um, inspection and all that kind of stuff. So that was the building construction probably was fascinating for me only in the sense that in a lot of ways, a lot of buildings are put together the same way that woodworking projects are just on a larger scale when you think about it and how building construction affects how a building performs, I guess, when it's on fire and how it's going to last or not last or what's going to fail about it and hazards and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, at the time, which was the early 1990s, there was probably like 200 to 300 applicants for every firefighting opening in the United States. So I faced a lot of competition. And one of the pieces of advice that we got was to get a bachelor's degree in something that if you ended up applying for a firefighting position, having an advanced degree would give you a leg up on your competition. So 
part of my firefighting training was also interning with a fire department from one of the local areas. So I was with the city of Menasha fire department for a year, which was, which was pretty cool. I had to serve on one of their shift rotations. We were on one day and then off for two days and worked through that. Uh, so I went to and got a bachelor's degree in communications with an emphasis in print media. So that taught me more about being a writer um, and a communicator in the sense of, you know, being comfortable speaking in front of people uh, and the technical aspects of it in terms of, you know, cause we had to take video and radio production classes and, writing for different styles, you know, whether it's kids books or just general nonfiction writing or journalism style writing and things like that. So that's probably where I gravitated toward it toward most was, was being able to write. And then, um, I've shared before my dad was a subscriber for wood uh, to Woodsmith for many years and then saw an opening and that's how I, I got here. So I got in on the writing side of it. And then even though I had an interest in woodworking, wasn't what I would call a proficient woodworker. Mm -hmm. I was an acceptable woodworker and then I've learned quite a bit over the years. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so part of, uh, my engineering education, we had to take classes in ethics and, um, learn about different engineering uh, mistakes that led to catastrophes as far as like bridges collapsing or the challenger space shuttle the titan you know different things oh, where sure. people screwed up and, and and lots of people died so and I, we're both 20 years out of our education and you were in took firefighting classes and building safety classes do you still look around and be like we're all going to die because this place isn't safe. <laughs> like this place is just going to like burst into flames or do you still th see things like that or. Oh yeah. Cause uh, there, there's two aspects to that. First is building construction. Yeah. Cause my instructor for the building construction class was, he was very anti modern building materials. So right about that time, at least in the Midwest, I think it had actually started a, on the coasts a lot sooner was, was where you'd have the engineered joists for floors mm -hmm. where it's, you know, the web frame, you know, OSB with, you know, top and bottom flanges or whatever of either solid wood or oriented strand board or, you know, or of basically plywood, you know, connecting it for the eye joist that a lot of houses use now. And those are a lot stiffer in many ways than sawn lumber. And they're obviously lighter. And so there's a lot of advantages to them. However, in a fire situation, the an eye joist will fail within 10 minutes of a, of a fully engulfed space. So his advice was, is if you knew that the house was within X years old and you got to the place and there was a fire going on, you do not go inside. 
If, unless there's people there, yeah, just don't go in. Yep. Just let it Cause, go. Because the, you know, there's a high probability of floors collapsing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I notice that kind of stuff. I also notice, um, one of the things that we had in the fire, it was like a fire protection systems, uh, class. So whenever I go into a building, I can instantly know where the fire extinguishers are, you know, older buildings, a lot of times will have a standpipe and a hose cabinet, you know, so more often than not, I see those. I also peek in the hose cabinet to see what kind of a <laughs> nozzle is attached to the hose and roughly how old that hose is, mm -hmm. you know. So there's all that. Oh, and sprinkler systems. I, you know, I instinctively see sprinkler systems whenever I go into a building, if they're there or if they're not. And, hmm. Yep. So it's yeah, that, that part's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. So do you see the same thing too? Like yeah. when you're driving over a bridge, do you think of like that Tacoma Narrows one right. where it goes all swaying? Yeah, and... it's like you can feel the shake in it. and yeah. Or if I'm sitting in a building, like, you know, our architectural building long enough, just sitting there, I'll be looking around at the joists and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> hmm, that's, you know, that corner down there is looking kind of like there's water damage and, you know. Oh, sure. It, it, it's probably going to fail any minute and we'll all be crushed <laughs> and looking for the exits. and yeah. Like, let's not sit here, kids. Let's sit over here. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's funny that that kind of stuff just has been beating, beaten into our heads and sticks with us. And so I guess the education of that kind of stuff did work, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of right like your mom's around. voice that's in your head all the time for stuff mm -hmm. that you need to do. Yep. But the other one for me, um, having gone to school for communications with writing is, um, uh, it's very hard for me to read something and not see grammatical errors or misspelled words or, you know, even style things in terms of how the last line of a paragraph gets filled out or photos, whether they're flipped or not, you know, cause you can tell by writing or something on there. Um, I've even had family members tell me that they hesitate to send me emails and <laughs> text messages to the extent that I'm just going to correct them or right. judge them by it. Yeah. It's really hard in this day and age with all the social media and, and electronic, you know, messaging and stuff where we just fire stuff off that there's a lot more grammatic grammatical errors that are just acceptable and we're you know supposed to look by them and stuff, but yeah, you know, being in this business, it's hard to not see that stuff and let it go. But yeah, for the most part, I can let it go on text messages, even myself, because I'll just fat finger something, you know, and mm -hmm. you hit send before you, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to read over a text message three or four times before I send it, you know, because it's mm -hmm. just a casual form of communication. But yeah, I notice it in emails and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's, and then my, my dad was a printer. So I have all of his years of pointing out when colors are out of register or, you know, ghosting of different things or whatever. So I had little mm -hmm. printer snafus of it too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's funny. Important emails and communications, I'll usually look over like three or four times for any errors before I send them. But I don't catch it until after I hit send. Like hit send <laughs> and then read it one more time. And it's like, oh, like, oh how did I miss that? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's the way it works. Yep. Also learned that there's a word for that. It's redactophobia. That's mm. the fear of editors or editing. So now you know. Now I know. So do you have any advice for um, future uh, or high school seniors going into college here soon about college experience or? Yeah, see, because and then I've had that and then I've had people ask about like, you know, what do you need to do to get the job that I have and, you know, or to work at Woodsmith or something like that. And. Uh, to me, the big thing is like for college and, and you and I have both talked about this, like college is both important and not important all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that it's more about the getting started and pursuing something rather than necessarily what it is that you're pursuing. Because I think as we've, our personal experience has both shown that there are many ways to end up at a place like Woodsmith and you're probably going to change jobs or emphasis or have the ability to follow your passion in one way or another differently over your life that being too absorbed in any one thing is gonna probably prove to be a little bit of a detriment. Mm Yeah, I'd you know. say as far as ending up here, it's like we've had a huge range of just odd educational work experience type, you know, situations that end up here as far as like former like CIA agents or <laughs> military, like what was right. Brian Nelson? He was in. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he worked at uh, McDonnell Douglas, was working on fighter jets and yeah. was a so woodworker just, on the side. Right. So it's more of having life experience, but then just being passionate about woodworking. And then right. the, re- the rest can be learned, trained, taught. Yeah. That kind of thing. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, like I had strong writing skills. And that's why Terry said that I got the job when I was hired. And, and then I learned woodworking. And then there's other people like Logan that have much higher level of woodworking experience, but differently abled in writing. Yes. Differently abled. And, uh, and come at it from that, from that way, you know, or, you know, like Chris Fitch who did landscape architect kind of work, you know, and then is now creative director here and a designer and, Mm -hmm. Steve Johnson repaired cars before coming here and yeah. Mark, I don't know what Mark did. Well, Mark actually went to, he went through the like city and guilds program in England. He's like legit. So yeah, he's probably one of the few like legit people that belong here. (laughs) The rest of us could probably probably get shown the door because of yeah we're all imposters yeah 
Once they figure that out, we're done for. Yep. So. Yeah. So that w- my advice would be to learn how to write. Mm-hmm. At least for the type of work that I do is being able to write well and clearly. Um, to do whatever you're assigned to without needing a lot of supervision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just overall, I would say communication skills in general right. too, which I don't know if the, the younger generation is lacking from because of all the, um, social media and not having face-to-face interactions or maybe they're better at it because they've been communicating that way. And that's the way to go. I don't know, but yeah, just that would be kind of interesting. Cause I, I mean, I see differences, but I think there's just generational differences as well mm-hmm. too, because when I was a kid, I did not like being in front of people at all, even if it was mm-hmm. in a group. Right. But now I do that quite often and mm-hmm. you become comfortable with it. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common fear of public speaking or embarrassing yourself at, you know, in front of a crowd at a younger age. We were, I was just talking about this with my uh, freshman daughter that, um, cause she doesn't want to like, order anything face to face. You have the ability to order things through apps now and <laughs> not have to deal with people. And it's like, I don't know, is that good or bad? It's, there's a lot of convenience there, but then you're not learning, you know, that communication skill or just being able to communicate with people or just approach people or so it's like, yeah. just look at me. Don't be afraid to embarrass yourself. I'm doing it all the time. <laughs> I'm an embarrassment. So just get up there and be awkward. Yeah. Just own the awkwardness. Speak loudly to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a lot to be said for that because I I don't remember where the what the context of it was now. I, it wasn't woodworking, I don't believe, where it was like learning to master something and knowing that in order to do it well, you need to do it poorly and mediocre a lot. So just get those out, Mm -hmm. just do it a lot and get all of those out so that you can be good at something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that's got to be learned too. Cause my youngest gets really frustrated trying to learn any new skill that she just doesn't have it mastered immediately. And it's just like, yeah. you know what? You're going to be bad at it. Everybody's bad the fir- you know, the first couple times and whatever it is, you know, you just keep doing it and you're going to get better and just kind of own that. But yeah, it can be frustrating. Right. Which I think people have to get into with woodworking as well is that mm-hmm. when you, when you build your first project, you're going to have an immense satisfaction in building it and in the making of it and the completion of it. But there are probably going to be issues with it mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. I think all of us can look back with a little bit of a cringe on the, our first projects. But without those, they would, we wouldn't be where we are either. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think about any project that I build, I can find something that I wish I would have done better or differently. And, you know, I look back five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years, you know, things that I built. And it is, yeah, you, like you said, kind of cringy where it's like, oh, man. 
if I could go back and, and do it this way, I would, it would be a lot better, but you just gotta kind of keep doing it. Just, you know, learn by, by doing and otherwise you'll never get anything done if you have to do it perfect the first way, yeah. first time. So yep. I think I've learned to become a little bit more of a risk taker too, as a woodworker, then that's carried over into my other parts of my life mm -hmm. in that, you know, if you're going to try a more advanced project or a project that requires a different sort of skill set, at some point you just need to jump in and do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're never going to be ready for it. Um, and having a little bit of confidence in order to try something, you know, like, you know, like the carved bowls that I've done, you know, like one of the first ones, my parent, I gave to my parents. And at the time I remember thinking like, it looked really cool. And now when I go visit them and I see it, I sort of want to sneak it out and throw it in the fire because <laughs> it looks mm -hmm. not too different than just a random lump of firewood. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have some projects like that from my early woodworking days where it's just like, I want to throw it away, but my parents kept it and they're still around you know, the yeah. house somewhere and I see them and reminisce, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I definitely notice too, what, as I'm building projects, the farther I get along in a project, especially if it's a bigger project, the slower I work or more deliberate I work. Cause it's like, you have the most, you know, most to lose if you screw <laughs> it up, you know, you get yeah, down the line. Cause your investment in it is a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like on the TV show when we're like trying to build stuff quickly and move it along and get it done and you get farther and farther. And you know, at some point it's going to get screwed up. Something's going to happen. So you're just kind of like <laughs> more deliberate and more yeah. thought into it. And so, yeah, yeah, the time investment is definitely a big thing. Yeah. A little bit more care in laying out stuff like the mm -hmm. groove needs to go on this side. Right. Not that side. Or are these we mirrored parts or... Or identical. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the one thing, uh, I going back to the advice for kids going into college. I think the one thing that I advise my son when he gets to college is go to class. You're going to have a lot of freedom. You know, you think, you know, you don't need it. You don't need to study. You got through high school without working too hard. Just go to class. That's your job. Yeah. You're paying a lot of money to go to school, get your money's worth. So, Cause that's the funny thing too, is like when you're in college and like the professor is not showing up or there's bad weather and it's like, Oh, I hope class is canceled. It's like, you paid a lot of money for that and you, and you just don't <laughs> even want it. You don't want the value. Right. It's like, just give me the degree. I don't want to do any work. Yeah. So, but yeah. So go to class. That's go to class that it took me too long to, to learn that one. That that's my job. Yeah. Just do the work. Take the classes you should, and then take a couple of classes that you want to take. Right. Yeah, definitely. Fun. Yes. Follow your passion. Yes. Find something that is marketable, but if you don't enjoy it, then it's not really something you're probably going to follow through with. So, yeah. But... And you can change. That's right. Yeah. I know a lot of people that had music majors and they are, you know, managers and companies now and have nothing to do with music, but they were passionate about that and continued their education and, you know, kept at it and not to like admonish music majors, but 
No, I, it's <laughs> or, safe to say that with properly any degree program that, right. you know, there's a good number of people who are employed and happy in their employment, but aren't in their field of study necessarily. Right. Yep. Or in the same path that they thought they were when they were 19. And... Exactly. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's just as much about learning life experience as it is getting a formal education in what it is you're majoring in. Yeah. Deep thoughts here. Mm -hmm. After school special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we get a big um, teenage crowd on this podcast too. Yeah, so probably. We're really, yeah. really hitting them hard today. Right. So, but no matter what age you're in, mm -hmm. just follow yeah, your it's passion. Lifelong learning. Yep. Yeah. Follow your passion and keep learning. Everyone. Yeah. So. Which I think it's interesting because I know that there are several, there are a lot of people that I know that are in jobs that I, probably the vast majority of people are in work that they're okay with mm -hmm. and use it as a way to finance the things that they love to do. And smaller numbers of people that are in jobs that they're super passionate about. And maybe the same number or slightly smaller that are in totally soul sucking jobs that again, finance the rest of their life. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what the right mix is. Yeah. It's like doing something that pays less, but you truly enjoy or do something that you enjoy lot pays a lot, but will finance your hobbies. Right. On the outside. So I don't know. Yeah. I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. This week I celebrate 20 years at Woodsmith. And Congratulations. Thanks. And I have to say that I'm in one of, I'm in the camp of being able to really enjoy what I do. It's a tons mm -hmm. of fun. And, yep. and why I've been here for 20 years is because right. I've enjoyed it so much. Yep. Yeah, I've always said that because when I started working here, most of the people I worked with had been here 15, 20, 25 years, you know, plus and of, you know, close to retirement age. And it was just like, you know what, why would you ever retire? You're doing what you would do in retirement Time. here. Yeah. So, but it's a job. So yep. that's nice. Yeah, it is nice. There are elements that aren't as fun. Right. Meetings, for example, but... <laughs> And we've yeah. had our, we've had our ups and downs, but it's been a lot of fun here. And I really enjoy the, the people that I get to work with and the fun projects that we get to do and be a part of. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's always changing. You know? Yeah, that's true. Like it's, it's always something new going on. When I look at what my job description was when I started versus what it is now, mm -hmm. or even what my job description is compare, you know, as a brand new editor here compared to like when we hired Rob mm -hmm. last year for essentially the same position, but the responsibilities are far vastly different right. than they were. So, yeah. Yeah. When I started here, we had, I don't know, seven to 10 designers. It seemed like between the three woodworking magazines we had and and we weren't working on the TV show yet. And I was just designing projects and, and doing readers tips. And I just thought, 
man, they will never have enough work for me to be too busy. <laughs> it's like, I'll never be too busy. And now it's just like, man, I'm doing like three jobs here. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I can just keep all the balls in the air and nothing yeah. ca catastrophic happens or it's just it's like, cause I'm so busy. I just wish, you know, I could catch up. So. <laughs> I have but. a reoccurring dream, which I don't know what that says about me. Um, I get it maybe once a year for sure, if not a little bit more often of getting to the end of a school year or a semester and realizing that I had totally forgotten about a class. Mm -hmm. And there's had a final. Not, had not gone to it in months, probably. And yeah, I have X amount of coursework that I still need to turn in. There's a big exam coming up and whatever. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have that sometimes. My dad, who's in his 70s, has this still says that, that he has like that dream of college of like missing something or failing a class or wow. being, you know, totally lost. So I think that's yep. a common like anxiety dream. Yeah. What does it mean? I don't know. Yeah. I think what it means is that there's a hidden piece of advice in there for people who are just starting college. It will scar you. <laughs> yes. There's a lifelong trauma that you're paying for there. <laughs> And it's worth it. You yeah, know? it's it's definitely worth it. Yeah, because if nothing else, you get to tell people about that dream periodically. Right. And guess what? Yes. I had that school dream again. Yep. Yep. Still Don't sweating. know your locker combination. Whatever. It's all there. Mm -hmm. All right. To bring this back full circle to woodworking, what kind of projects are you working on now, John? Um, I'm trying to catch up. Like I said, throwing a lot of balls in the air. Um, trying to keep juggling them, but uh, kind of wrapped up the design on a uh, heirloom tool cabinet, wall cabinet for shop notes last week and handed that off to uh, Steve and he is building that. So it's kind of craftsman style, Cortison white oak um, type project. And I think it'll look really cool when he's done. So yeah. we'll see. And then the other thing I was trying to balance is uh, uh, designing some living room built-ins for the next issue, next issue of Woodsmith. So I was handing off some drawings to Mark so he could finally get started on that. So those are the two projects I have uh, kind of going on here at work. Um, personal life, a lot of... Like we said, we have seniors, so kind of came to the realization it's like that time of year where you're thinking, I have to get all these projects done at home before <laughs> graduation. Yeah. Which which I, I swear I joked about like 12 years ago working on home breakfast. It's like, oh, I got to get this done before graduation. graduation. It's like I have mm -hmm. a fifth grader and I got to get this done before they graduate. And <laughs> now it's time. Yeah. We're there. So. Yeah. And it's like some of the stuff is just like, why am I like landscaping and stuff it's like this has nothing to do with graduation but right. i feel like i have to get this done still before yep. they graduate because yep. people care about that, mm -hmm. that oh yeah thing. i have so a, a lot of fence to build in our backyard that mm -hmm. will either make or break sophie's graduation so yep yep 
So a lot of just odds and ends stuff at home. But like we said, send the kids and the wives back to school, and now it's open shop time at home. <laughs> we yep. can Now we can go back to working from home. Like, <laughs> like we have that ability to work from home, but yep. it's like, no, I'm going to go into work because yeah, I'm not going to get anything done here. at home. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we'll see what I can get into in the next couple of weeks at home. So okay, cool. Mm-hmm. What about I you? Finished what you up, uh, I just finished up my display cabinet. Finally, got the glass for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put that on our Facebook and Instagram page last week. Uh, I'm also working on a couple of carved signs. So inspired by the ones that Chris did, and the ones that, if you're watching on YouTube, are right there mm-hmm. that we did. Um, and then I have a few Christmas presents that I'm not gonna not gonna share too many details on because I mm-hmm. think some of the recipients do pay attention to the podcast from time to time. So, okay, top secret, top secret. It's that time of year again. So, cool. which is kind of fun. Yeah. And then I like to have a couple of for me projects or for the house or something, but mm-hmm. haven't quite nailed down what I want. Part of the problem of being a woodworker that likes to build projects is that at some point the house is full. Right. It's like then, then what? I'm either swapping stuff out, like for stuff that I made, or mm-hmm. I just have to give it away. Right. Yeah, that's one one thing. I was working on landscaping recently, and um, now I have a little spot that would be perfect for a planter box or trellis or something. It's like, hmm, how can I like? tie this into the magazine or something and get it designed and built doing my job and for personal, you know, Mm -hmm. combining it. So it's like, let's see what we can get done here. Ooh, if you're looking for ideas, I have something that was in garden gate that we'll talk about. Yeah. Send it my way. Yep. So, All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, life advice, or smart remarks, we'd like to hear about it. You can send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or you can put it in the comments section on our YouTube channel. Uh, The Shop Notes podcast gets out to more woodworkers when we have better reviews. So if you've enjoyed listening to it, I'd love for you to get a good review and a rating on all your local podcasteries so other people can hear about this program as well. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody.